Welcome to the Holy Soup Podcast, where the church's status quo and sacred cows get rounded up, simmered down, and dished out. And now, here's your chief cook, author, innovator, filmmaker, and founder of Group Publishing, Tom Schultz. Welcome to Holy Soup. Great to have you along uh, today. Today, we're looking at what's happening with education in the church, with children, youth, and adults. How are people learning about God or, or not learning? Are the methods we're using helping or hurting? You know, by almost any measure, the church in America is declining. Uh, this includes indicators related to education. More people are questioning now the old models of Christian education, Sunday school, discipleship training, and even traditional teaching from the pulpit. What actually works today to help people learn and grow? Our guest today is Phil Vischer, creator of VeggieTales, that uh, famous animated series seen by millions, and the more recent DVD series called What's in the Bible? And Phil comes from a background and family closely connected to learning and spiritual formation. Welcome, Phil. Hey, thanks for having me, Tom. Great to be here. Great to have you on board. Well, first of all, do you consider yourself an educator? I didn't used to. Uh, (laughs) I started out considering myself a filmmaker, um, but then I was kind of faced with the the choice of, okay, if if you could make a film that was solely entertaining and not at all teaching, or make a film that was solely teaching and not at all entertaining, which would you enjoy more? And I realized I would let go of the t- of the entertaining mm. before I'd let go of the teaching. Mm. Uh, I just, you know, to, so many films, especially for kids, are just just jokes. Just mm. you know, ninety minutes of jokes, and I can't stand that, <laughs> to do that. I, I just feel like I'm I'm not using my time well. So, since my mother has been in in Christian education, you know, for years mm-hmm. and years and years, she's kind of forced me to recognize that you're a teacher, you know. <laughs> okay, Mom, I guess you're right. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. <laughs> what your mom tells you, then it's That's pretty right. much settled. That's for sure. Well, what uh, as you take a look back across all of the work that you've done um, in uh, this field, what does your work and how you've gone about it say about how people actually learn? That's a good question. Um, We've discovered, you know, and I'll, I'll start with something that wasn't my work. I'll start with the way I learned the preamble to the Constitution, which was not in history class. In fact, it wasn't in school at all. It was during Saturday morning cartoons uh, when Schoolhouse Rock <laughs> sang it, turned it into a, an animated song. And uh, the, the ability to make content memorable, and to make it sticky, basically, mm. Uh, by bringing it to life with visuals and by bringing it to life with music is so powerful. You know, we, the reality is, is that lecture has been shown to be the, the least effective form of mm. education. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just we don't retain much. That's why, you know, pastors get up on Sunday morning and they lecture for a half an hour, and then they can't figure out why, you know, two hours later, no one can remember what they said. Yep. By the time lunch is done, <laughs> we pretty much forgot yep. what it was, unless there was a really great story or a really funny joke. We'll remember those things. Story sticks, music sticks, humor sticks, uh, lecture not so much. And so I think through Veggie Tales, 
you know, to begin with, and then trying to apply the lessons of VeggieTales to what's in the Bible. Um, I've been amazed with stories from parents about what their kids have retained, even watching a, a particular VeggieTales video only once, or watching a What's in the Bible video only once, what kids have come away with. And it's just, it's a testimony, you know, to the schoolhouse rock idea of you can make things sticky if you if you connect them with visuals, connect them with music, uh, connect them with things that imprint on our brains much better than just a person talking. Mm. Well, and and you've seen this uh, work out over the years uh, so much, and you've you've had the advantage of years to be able to see, and I'm sure hear from children who are now uh, adults who can still remember much of what they learned through your adventures and Veggie Tales and and everything else that you've worked with. There's there's a long term retention there that uh, ought to tell us something about how people learn and where the church is uh, going wrong or right. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I've been really encouraged by a few stories in particular, but it also tells me that we habitually underestimate what kids are capable of learning. You know, and this mm-hmm. is a, a big point uh, that I stress, that we underestimate what kids can learn and we overestimate what grown-ups want to learn. <laughs> Uh, you know, we forget that kids are professional learners. You know, it's what they do for a living. Mm. They, they get up on Monday morning and they go to school and they learn. They're in that mode. Now, a 40-year-old, you know, father, not so much. You know, his his spare time is, is golf or, you know, other other things where you're not learning, where we fall out of the habit of learning. But kids are so good at learning. Their, you know, their, their minds are still supple. They still bend and accept new knowledge. Um, and they enjoy it if it's presented correctly. So we had, I got a story from a local Sunday school teacher here in the Chicago area who had just thrown out to her class of, I think, third graders, um, I will give a piece of candy to any kid who can name one of the judges from the Bible. And a little girl in third grade stood up and named every judge in the Bible in chronological order. Oh, wow. And he flipped out. And said, <laughs> how do you know that? Um, and she said, what's in the Bible? Uh-huh. And it's because we turned it into a song. Uh-huh. We made a song with all the judges in chronological order. Uh-huh. And she heard that song about you know ten times, and it stuck. Uh-huh. And she was proud to be able to say that. So the notion that you know a kid could, you can't get kids to learn stuff like that. It's ridiculous. You can if you put it into a format that makes it fun and makes it sticky. Uh-huh. Well, since we're talking about uh, education, I'd be curious to uh, know what grade you would give the average church today in terms of uh, how they're conducting the whole educational enterprise, especially when uh, you know, you've already talked about how you've, you've discovered that learning sticks when it's visual, when there's story involved, when there's music involved. What grade would uh, you give most churches today? Yeah, I don't think there is an average church. I mean, that's the reality. You know, visit 10 churches and you'll see mm. 10 different ways of doing it. Um, the, the concern that I have, I think, is that the churches that are the most visual, you know, typically the most technologically advanced, uh, often the biggest budgets, you know, that are using the most music, that have a worship band, that throw stuff up on big screens, um, Typically, the, the material is lighter. You know, that's, that you just when you're going that fast and that loud in front of a huge group, you're not going in great depth. Mm-hmm. 
the churches that go in great depth are often much smaller, more thoughtful, but also using less visual support. <laughs> so you're more likely to get more depth in lecture, where kids will retain it less, and less depth in multimedia, where kids will retain it more. And that's, you know, that was one of the things that I was wrestling with, uh, with what's in the Bible, was how deep can I go in a, you know, multimedia format? At what point, you know, do families just say, this is ridiculous, mm. you know, Mike, this is a child here, it's not a, <laughs> not, they're not in seminary. Um, but we found that we can go really deep, much deeper than I think most people have been comfortable trying to go. So I would love to see more resources, you know, for the churches that do use media, that do use video, uh, more resources that go that aren't afraid to go deep, and, and I think that's what I'm discouraged by. And, and when you use that word deep, what do you mean? What is depth? Uh, there are there are things that are very easy to teach um, because they're they're more concrete ideas that will relate. You know, God loves you. Oh, I get that. My mom loves me. My my dad loves me. My grandma loves me. Uh-huh. God loves me. I get that. So teaching about God's love is relatively easy to do. God's love is deep, but that's it, that's kind of at the opening of a conversation about faith. And what what I tried to do, you know, with kids and what's in the Bible was don't don't stop there. That's really where we stopped in Veggie Tales, partly because we were targeting we wanted it to work for preschoolers, you know, and it's very hard to to bring up concepts like sanctification or justification for kids that aren't yet thinking abstractly. <laughs> you just you can't really do it. Um, but we wanted to aim for slightly older kids with what's in the Bible, so I wanted to hit those notions. I wanted to define all the key terms. You know, what is salvation? What does that even mean? Because we hear all these words, these abstract terms, you know, in big church, uh, but the senior pastor never stops to define them. And, and in fact, you know, go to the average uh, 40-year-old in big church and say, quick, define grace. Mm-hmm. You know, and they, uh, no. God loves me. <laughs> it's really, we, we don't, we should have those definitions imprinted in us when we're kids, you know, so that we, so we never grow up and not know what the word grace means, what the concept is, and how you actually live it out. Grace is so central to the gospel, you know, but it's so few people in the, even in the church can define it. So to try to go into terms like, Sanctification. I mean, that's tricky. What? What? You know, define that for for a, a six-year-old, a mm-hmm. seven-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going in much deeper. It's easy to teach Christian values. It's actually much more challenging to teach Christianity, and that's one of my concerns about a lot of the materials. Um, you know, and and this is an issue I think that's happened over the last generation or so uh, with Sunday school. Is that we've created such a free market of Sunday school materials. You know, because if you go back. If you go back when we're all in the Catholic Church or we're all in the Anglican Church, mm-hmm. you know, you do catechism. Mm-hmm. Is it supposed to be fun? No! And it, it <laughs> wasn't. <laughs> you just do it, kids. You're here. You don't have a choice. There's no other church in this parish. This yeah. is your parish. You're going to go through catechism. Okay, and then, you know, we, we said, oh, no, we're going to have, in, in, you know, in the states in the U.S., we're going to have Baptist churches and Catholic churches, you know, and Episcopal churches and Methodist churches. Now kids have a choice. Now families have a choice. And what we have is denominational publishing houses. 
Mm-hmm. So if you're a Baptist, well, you get the Baptist materials. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not just catechism. They'll try to make it just a little bit fun so you don't leave the Baptist church and go to the Methodist church down the street. But typically, people, people connected pretty well with their denominations, so they accepted the teachings of their denominations, mm-hmm. and your kids went through the whole program. Okay, today it's completely the Wild West. You know, we're all non-denominational, interdenominational, and so in terms of materials, it is, everyone is just, you know, they're making their own stuff, they're picking, there's a gazillion different things they could pick, they change curriculum halfway through the year, and so kids aren't getting a, a systematized presentation of mm. Christianity, mm-hmm. and there's so much emphasis on, is this easy for volunteers to present, mm. uh, you know, that we have less emphasis on, is this theologically sound and theologically deep? We need to return to a more, almost a more catechistic approach of what do kids really need to know about their faith, and can we make sure that every kid goes through that? Mm-hmm. Well, what role do parents and families play in the educational process and, and spiritual formation? Well, I think it has to get bigger, uh, primarily for the reason, <laughs> uh, I'm going to blame it on soccer, actually. <laughs> my, I grew up, I was in church every Sunday, and then my kids started growing up, they were in church every Sunday, and then one got into softball, and I thought, okay, that's okay, oh no, there's a tournament on Sunday, and then another got into volleyball, and we thought, okay, that's good for them, they're getting exercise, and oh, there's a tournament on Sunday. And we've seen this all across our culture, you know, that, that I think Willow Creek did a study at one point, and of all the kids registered in their, uh, in their kids' programs, the average came uh, two times a month. You know, mm-hmm. So we, we've, got, we've lost so much time with our kids in church that parents really have to recognize you know, it is too much to ask for a Sunday school teacher to completely disciple your kids in two hours a month. Uh, and more of that, really, we have to help parents learn how to do that and equip parents. The problem is we've got generations of parents that no one discipled them. You know, so you know, how, do we, how can we disciple families as units is, I think, what's driving me more than anything right mm. now, because I can't assume uh, that a church is going to get enough time to do it all by themselves. Mm. That's asking a church too much. But I also can't assume that the parents know what they're supposed to be doing. So if I can create a, some way to engage a whole family, and you know, and again, that was one of the reasons why what's in the Bible, create a whole family context so that parents are learning next to their kids, you know, and it has to happen at home uh, in addition to the church, and it has to happen with everyone together so they're learning together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of... Uh people in the church, particularly people involved in, in children's ministry, often get frustrated with parents uh, not uh, fulfilling their responsibility of helping their kids to learn and grow in the faith at home. Uh, but I think uh, from the parent's side, they feel often uh, ill-equipped. They, they feel they don't know the Bible themselves. They don't, uh, they don't know the right things to say. They don't know how to answer the questions that might come up. And so then they default into doing nothing. And uh, all, all we have then is a guilt trip that's laid on the parents from the church for not doing enough when the parents themselves uh, don't feel that, that they're able to. Yeah, exactly. So how do we fix that, Phil? Are you going to solve that problem? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's tricky. And, and one of the things I try to encourage parents in that, that I had to realize myself 
is that me not knowing things about the Bible is part of my own journey that I can share with my kids. Mm. And we can go on that journey together. Mm. Quite often we're so embarrassed that we don't know something that we want it to be a secret. Mm. <laughs> and and I you know so my kids will ask me something that I don't know. You know that's a good question. I don't know. Let's find out together. Mm-hmm. You know, let's go on a little journey of discovery, and we'll figure that out together. Pull out, you know, your study Bible. Go online. You know, do a Google search. It's so easy to find the information now uh, that bringing kids, you know, kind of opening up your your own ignorance and saying, "Wow, I really want to know more about this part of you know this about God," or "I heard this question about God. I don't know the answer. Let's go find it together." Because we want to model for our kids the humility of admitting when we don't know things, but then not settling you know, to not know it. Mm. <laughs> Actually get off the couch and go find out. Mm. Uh, when kids learn that, they'll learn how to be self-teachers, which is what we really, really need. Mm. What about just the, the practicality of how this happens in the home? Again, I think uh, a lot of people from the church side are picturing that uh, parents ought to have a a schedule and that there is either a daily devotion time or a weekly sit-down learning time where uh, you're really serious and you've got at least some idea of a a curriculum outline in your mind of of what you're going to cover this week or or whatever. And and that uh, just rarely happens with most families, especially with the busy schedules that families have today of expecting them to sit down and and have their own little Sunday school in the home. What have you found and what actually works to get parents involved in the spiritual lives of their kids? Yeah, it does vary by parent. I I went to a a parenting seminar once and the the, uh, teacher talked about, he, he traveled and spoke a lot, but when he was home, he would get his kids up at 6 a.m. in the morning, and they would have an hour of worldview training. Wow. And, you know, and my only thought was, well, God bless you. (laughs) 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 That ain't going to happen in my house. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, so there are some parents that can do that. You know, Uh I'm not one of them. I I can't be that. And my kids would rebel. They'd mutiny. You know, (laughs) once they were big enough, they'd throw me out the window. Uh, there would be a disaster in my house. So we discovered was, because my wife and I, neither of us are very organized, we're not wonderfully structured or disciplined people, we realized is we had to be constantly aware of when something happened that created a teachable moment. Mm. You know, and it, because when your kids are already thinking about something or when something triggers something, that's when it becomes organic, it becomes natural to say, you know, that reminds me of this about God mm. or... You know, what would God want us to do about this situation? Um, now, sometimes you do need to be, you know, you, you need to be intentional and, and say, hey, let's all, you know, read this psalm. My mom did a thing when we were kids. We'd go on family vacations, and we'd memorize a psalm as a family over mm-hmm. the course of vacation. Um, you know, and that was kind of fun, and I actually remember those psalms. So that, that wasn't bad, but it was a project. It wasn't, you know, every day you have to memorize a psalm before you can go out and play, and then, it, you know, it turns into taking out the garbage. Um, so, but looking for those opportunities, just as you're driving around in the car, you hear something on the radio, you have a conversation with a friend, and I realize I'm an introvert, and so my tendency is to keep my faith journey kind of inside mm-hmm. in my head, mm-hmm. and, and I realized for the sake of my kids, I needed to extrovert my faith journey. Mm-hmm. 
you know, so I needed to say what before bed, what you know what God showed me today, and that's not natural for me because I'm so introverted. But it was worth it, and it creates all sorts of interesting conversations. So even you know, I lost a business. Uh, when I was operating VeggieTales, okay, that sounds like a terrible, terrible thing, except it's an astonishing teaching moment. Mm. <laughs> there's almost no better teachable moment about God, you know, than losing a ministry that mm. you thought he'd given you yeah. <laughs> to say, okay, kids, what is, wow, what do we do with that? Life gives us teachable moments that we can extrovert our faith and actually invite our kids into our own faith journeys. And seeing that will have much more lasting impact on them, you know, than forcing a two-minute devotional reading uh, before they get to go play. Mm. And that's a matter of uh, simply helping to free parents to realize that they don't have to be little professors, but uh, they have to just be open and watchful for those moments whenever they come up. Absolutely. My mother, uh, my mom, is uh, her name's Scotty May, and she... Uh, has taught children's ministry for 20, 25 years at Wheaton College. And her point is she believes parents should be humble enough to be sojourners with their kids. You know, mm. not that they have to be the pastor, the expert who's already arrived, but to journey alongside your kids and say, let's take this faith walk together and we'll both learn things. Mm. You know, that seems unnatural. Like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm the parent. I'm supposed to have it all figured mm. out. But frankly, that's dishonest. We don't have it all figured out, yeah. and our kids won't when they're our age. But if we can walk together and admit what we don't know, you know, and journey in faith together, a journey of faith becomes a project for the whole family, not just for the kids. You know, that, that whole approach of humility and uh, not having all the answers, I think that's also uh, good advice for people, leaders, teachers, pastors in the church as well. Absolutely, yeah. When, when the Christian walk is something that only experts can do once they've gotten all the answers, you know, there are going to be about three Christians in America. <laughs> <laughs> and most of them are in their 90s and, and can't really walk anymore. But... <laughs> So we want everybody to engage in this walk. We're disciples. You know, we're on journeys. We're following Jesus. Let's do it together. And that includes the senior pastor who, no, probably won't get fired for admitting that he doesn't understand something. At least I'm hoping he won't. Um, and we can follow along, and the whole church can learn together. And that just it's just much more exciting to go on that journey together. Yeah. And that right there, I think, is uh, another... Uh, discovery about learning and how that happens. And, and uh, if, if the church wants to get better at helping people to learn, people of all ages, that's one more way, I, I think, is uh, adopting that uh, sense of humility that you just described. Absolutely. Admit what you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> because then it makes everyone else comfortable admitting what they don't know. And then we're actually dealing with each other honestly, and we can start learning together. Yeah. Well, for our listeners, uh, Phil Vischer will be a resource person at the upcoming Future of the Church Summit held in Colorado, October 26th through the 28th, and we'll be talking about the future of education and faith formation in the church today, how that happens and how we can get better at that and what that's going to look like in the future. And if you'd like more information on that, you can go to the website, thefutureofthechurch.com, thefutureofthechurch.com. 
Thank you, Phil. You know, when I when I think about it, millions of kids who grew up with your alter ego, Bob the Tomato, and now adults who still retain the lessons they learned from you many, many years ago, many of them are, are now parents with their own kids who are now discovering for themselves and learning about the Bible and Jesus in a fun, engaging, and memorable way that you continue to pioneer in. So thank well, you. Well, it's been been an amazing journey and uh you know it never gets old because every 10 years you're starting out with a new batch of kids and and nowadays completely new technology to interact with them mm. you know, so that's that's the fun part is all right what works for the next 10 years mm-hmm. you know my first 10 years of my work it was vhs cassettes then it was dvds and now it's you know it's uh smartphones and tablets mm-hmm. Uh, but the truth is always the same. How we teach it needs to constantly be rethought. Mm. Well said, well said. Thank you, Phil Vischer. And uh, we will see you all next time on the Holy Soup Podcast.